God is indeed with us. I'm excited to uh, launch this new sermon series taking us uh, up to and through uh, Christmas weekend. And uh, I want to encourage you at the beginning of this sermon uh, to just close your eyes and to keep them closed uh, for these first few minutes as I read through God's Word. I want you to, to just imagine walking in darkness, walking through a dark, crowded room, and not quite knowing where things are, and what's in front of you, and what's beside you, and what else may be in that room with you. So close your eyes and keep them closed as we listen to these words of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Then in Exodus, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. And the psalmist wrote, Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The prophets said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And the Apostle John wrote, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Or the Apostle Paul, as he wrote, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And some of the final words of Scripture tell us that the new Jerusalem does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God lives in it and gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever. The title of today's message, you can open your eyes if you have them still closed. The title of today's message is Light in the Darkness. Light in the Darkness. And I want you to consider more than just physical darkness. As you had your eyes closed, you couldn't see. And there are those among us who have vision impairments and cannot see or cannot see well, either because they've lost their sight or some were born without sight. But beyond physical darkness, we all know that there are spiritual darknesses that we can find ourselves in the midst of. There's the darkness of addiction, the darkness of loneliness, the darkness of hopelessness, 
And to each of those darknesses, God enters as light in the darkness. This series, God With Us, is based on a passage, one little phrase in Scripture in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where the prophet writes, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And that word Emmanuel literally means in the Hebrew language, God with us. Whenever you see L, E-L in the Hebrew language, it's referring to God. And so the, the name Emmanuel that was to be given to the Christ child, to Jesus Christ, Emmanuel literally means God is with us. And we find this, this word only three times in Scripture, twice in the Old Testament, both in the book of Isaiah, and once in the New Testament referring to this fulfilled prophecy when the angel visits Gabriel, or the angel Gabriel visits Joseph and gives him the news of what is about to take place and says, this is to fulfill what was prophesied. And the reason that this is such good news is that this simple phrase, God with us is filled with meaning. Three simple words, and yet when you, when you place the emphasis on each of the words, the meanings expound from that. God, God, God is with us. What we celebrate at Advent is that God himself, in the form of Jesus Christ, came to us, came and dwelt among us. John 1.14 says that, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood, so to speak. He came to dwell among us, not just to visit, not just to be an epiphany for a moment, but to live a lifetime among us, to take on our frailty and our suffering, and to live as one of us, with us, and among us, that it was God who was with us, that Jesus Christ is God. I've heard him called God Nabod. That's Jesus. And he was here on planet earth. And he lived a lifetime here with us and among us. And the personhood of Christ is unique in all the religions of the world because it shows the relational nature of God. That he would leave the perfection of heaven, the perfection of the Trinity, and come to this broken, dark world and bring hope, and bring light, and bring the glory of God to us, and be among us. God is with us. But not just that God is with us, but that God is with us, that he is here with us, that he was physically present, that he faced every temptation, we're told, that he faced suffering, that he faced evil, the height of evil, the culmination of human evil is the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come to us, bearing the sin of the entire world and dying for us, taking our place that God is with us. And not only that, but he promised to be with us forever. That, that even though he ascended, he promised that he would be with us through the Holy Spirit. That as he ascended into heaven, that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with each and every one of us in spirit form. To indwell us. That our bodies, our lives, our 
flesh would be indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. That God would not just be with us for this lifetime of Jesus Christ, but that he would be with us forever. God is with us too. This is good news. God is with us. He is not just with you and just with me, but he is with us. He is with each of us individually, but he is with us corporately. And there are things that happen when a group of people come together in the name of the Lord and choose to serve him together and to push back the darkness on behalf of God, then the sum can be greater than the parts as God is with us. He is with all who accept the gift of his presence, who accept the gift of salvation. And so today's message is we consider light in the darkness. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to have a lot of scripture. We've already had a lot of scripture in this message. We're going to have a lot of scripture, but I want you to kind of keep a thumb in Isaiah. Most of the passages will be on the screen so you don't have to do Bible gymnastics uh, all morning and just spend all your time flipping back and forth. Um, But I do want you to kind of keep a thumb here in Isaiah chapter 9 as we look at this prophecy that is fulfilled. And so this is on page 1072. If you have one of our blue hardcover Bibles there in the seats in front of you, just right underneath the seat, you can grab one of those if you'd like. And uh, we'll read this together and then we'll talk about it and talk about the implications of this prophecy fulfilled in Christ. And so in verse 1, the prophet writes, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Now, verse 1 is included to give you some context, and the the geography is very significant. So I've got a couple of maps on the screen behind me. And uh, the one on the left side shows you the Holy Land area in the time of Christ. And the one on the right shows the original 12 tribes of Israel. Because you notice in verse 1 that Naphtali and Zebulun, these regions, were referenced specifically. And so on the, the map on the right side, you can see those regions of Naphtali and Zebulun and how they correspond on the map on the right, both inside those red circles, to the region of Galilee. And Galilee is referred to in the Old Testament as Galilee of the Gentiles or Galilee of the nations. It was sort of on the borderlands of the Holy Land when the original 12 tribes moved in and took over the land of Canaan, took over the promised land. They divided that land up in these various regions, and Zebulun and Naphtali were up on the north end, on the north edge, and as, as warring nations came in and encroached upon them, and, and as the people of God disobeyed and, and kind of fell out of favor with God and out of the protection of God, this was one of the first to go, so to speak. And uh, by the time that Jesus was born, it had sort of received second-class status among the nation of Israel. And so um, when, when they say, you know, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Right at the beginning of John's gospel, when they're identifying Christ as the Messiah and he was from Nazareth, there's just this kind of open contempt 
that now that's kind of borderlands. And we know about the issues between uh, the land of Judea and the people of Samaria. And Samaria is actually closer to Jerusalem and Judea than even Galilee is. And so uh, basically this prophecy is saying that even on the very fringe of the nation, the original nation of Israel, even in this place that, that God is humbling, we're told, because of their disobedience and, and darkness has encroached upon it, that a light will shine in the darkness, that people who are walking in darkness will see a great light, and that those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light is about to dawn. And I want to thank uh, Pastor Keith and the team last week uh, for uh, just a wonderful message talking about a kingdom of outsiders. If you missed that, you should go back. You go to our Facebook page and you can watch most of the service or you can go onto our website in the media tab and listen to that message because it really brings us into the Christmas story as this idea that we are a kingdom of outsiders who have been welcomed in, that those who were far off have been brought into the family of God, that people who were walking in darkness, they were on the outside, they were on the fringes. This area, this region of Galilee is on the fringes, and yet that's the place that God sent his Savior. That's the place that he called his Savior. That's the place that he chose to shine light in the darkness. And this is an important thing to understand. God doesn't just shine his light towards the darkness. He enters the darkness and illuminates it. He comes into this dark and broken world and illuminates it. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says that for God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's one of those verses of Scripture that you kind of have to read a dozen times and chew on for a while and reflect upon this idea that God has spoke from the very beginning to let light shine out of the darkness, puts that same light in our hearts, knowing that we go to places where there is darkness, where there is spiritual darkness, where there is relational darkness, where there is financial darkness, where there is emotional darkness, and his light is to shine in us and through us to illuminate that darkness in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. I can remember when this happened for me. I can remember walking in darkness. I can remember when I was knee-deep in religion and thought I had most people convinced that I was a pretty good guy. And I did a lot more good than bad, but inside there was a lot of darkness. It wasn't pretty. There was pride, there was selfishness, there was deceit, there was quite a bit of anger. And yet his light came to shine in my heart. And the next thing you know, I'm able to share that light with someone else. Light I didn't even realize that I had began to shine through me. And as you grow in that and as you nurture that light and as you remove anything that would block that light from shining out from you, it touches more and more and more people. And that's our bottom line for today. That's this If you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to understand that God's light shines in the darkness, not just into the darkness. God's light moves into the darkness and shines out from it, not just trying to shine in to it. 
If you go into a completely dark room with black walls and you turn on a flashlight, you don't see anything more shining it into the darkness. But when you go into that darkness and you start to illuminate from within the darkness, the light begins to illuminate everything around it. And so there are three things that we need to know today, three things that I would like you to remember if you're a note taker. Take some notes. There's notepads in the seats in front of you if you'd like to. Uh, But three things that I want you to consider today and walk away from this message understanding. First and foremost, God is light. God is the light that shines in the darkness. He sent his son to be light in the darkness for us. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever knows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came into the darkness and said, I am the light of the world because the light shines in the darkness, not just into the darkness, but in the darkness. And later, John, at the end of his life, reflects upon this. In John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, he says, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And so when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world, he sent light into this world through him. There is no darkness at all in God, the Father, God, the Son, or God, the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit moves into our lives, he illuminates us from the inside out. He brings light and life to us, into us. No darkness at all. No darkness at all. Perhaps that's why David said, In Psalm 36, at the beginning of the psalm, he's talking about that God's love reaches to the heavens and his faithfulness reaches to the skies. And at the end of the psalm, he says, with you is the fountain of light. In your light, we see light that God illuminates so that we can see. God illuminates our lives and the world around us so that we can see and appreciate the light. That he brings. So, first and foremost, God is light. When we talk about God with us, we are talking about light with us to illuminate our way and to show us the way and to welcome us into that way. And therefore, we are the light of the world. That's the second thing. We are the light of the world. Jesus says in John, or I'm sorry, in Matthew 5, he says, You are the light of the world. He's talking to his disciples. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, he says, you are the light on the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. He doesn't say you ought to be. He doesn't say you should be. He doesn't say, I wish you would be. He says, you are. And the degree to which the world is illuminated by the people of God is the degree to which we remove anything that would block the light from shining through us into the world. He said, you are the light of the world. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Live as offspring of the light. Live as offspring of God, because God is light. You see how this all starts to work together? And you see how him indwelling us and inhabiting us brings the light into us and into the places that we inhabit to our workplace, to our home, to our neighborhood, to our church, to the other places that we frequently go. We are bearers of light. We are the light of the world. Philippians 2.15, Paul says, 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. He was talking about that 2,000 years ago. Has it gotten better or worse? Has the world, has this generation, is it more or less crooked and depraved than the one before it and the one before it? We're moving in the wrong direction. We need to be those who will live as children of God without fault in which we shine like stars in the universe. When you look up at the sky, especially if you get out away from a city and you're out in a cornfield or you're up on a mountain, if you have the opportunity to do that or you're close to the ocean and there are not a lot of lights around you and you look up, you see the blackness of the sky with these pinholes of light. And you see them so much better when there's not the ambient light, they call it, around you. And that's what we're supposed to be. He recognizes Paul recognizes that the world, that this generation is crooked and depraved, but we Christians, we believers, we disciples of Christ ought to be like those stars that poke holes in the darkness to illuminate the things around them. And the fascinating thing to think about is that each and every one of those stars represents a massive, massive source of light because the universe is so large in scale. And I couldn't help but think of a a passage of Scripture from 1 Peter that Pastor Keith referenced last week in his message. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. This is good news. We are the light of the world. And the last point that I want you to see, God is light, we are the light of the world, and we are sent into the world. We are sent into the world. Remember our bottom line that the light shines in the darkness, not just into the darkness. We go into the darkness so that the light can shine within the darkness. We are sent into the world. I came across the quote this week. It says, Do not be dismayed at the brokenness of the world. All things break, and all things can be mended, not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go. Love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. We are sent into the world as bearers of the light of Christ, the light of the Holy Spirit, which is in us as believers. Jesus said to the Apostle Paul in Acts 26, as he recounts this, as he, Paul, takes his light before governors and before, uh, before rulers, and, and he recounts his story, he tells his story. That's what's happening in Acts 26, is, is that Paul is standing before a Roman governor, and he has an audience with one of the most powerful people in the world, the most powerful person in that region, and he gets to tell his salvation story, and he gets to tell why he is doing this and why he will not be deterred. And he recounts that Jesus said to Paul, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith 
in me. Jesus is saying to Paul, you are going to go and you're going to take the light that you have received into some of the darkest places so that people will move from that darkness into light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, and that they will receive forgiveness and they will experience the inclusion, the welcoming in, that they will find a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. But it wasn't just Paul. Jesus, in some of the last words that he spoke, very familiar words to many of us who have been following him for some time, we call this the Great Commission, that we are sent into the world with the light of Christ. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He promises that he will be with us, that he will be God with us when we go. And as we go, and as we make disciples, and as we baptize them, and as we teach them to obey, he is with us, and he is the light of the world. He is with us when we are with them. He is with us when we are with the broken. He is with us when we are those who are hopeless, with those who are hopeless, when we are with those who are struggling with addiction, when we are those, with those who are lonely, he's with us when we are with them. And he sends us to them to take his light into the world. There are so many walking in darkness. Will you take the light that you've been given and share it with them? You see, if God is with us, and he is, the most important question today is, is God with you? Have you come into the family? Have you come into the light? Have you left the darkness behind and come into the light of Christ? Have you stopped walking in darkness? Or maybe you did at one point, and you could say, I've seen the light. But I've left the light. I've left the light, and I've been in darkness for some time. And today's the day to come back. A lot of people in the room today. A lot of stories in the room today. It's possible that there's one that's hearing good news for the first time and would like to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. It's possible that there are those who have walked in the light and have left the light in order to follow the darkness and are hearing the Savior call them to come back, hearing the Spirit nudge them. But maybe yours is a story of faithfulness and of love in the light and living in the light. And the question is, because God is with you today, will you take him to someone? Will you take him to someone you know? I just found out today about a friend who is is in darkness. And I've got to reach out to him this week. And I've got to do what I can to try to bring the light of Christ into his life before it's too late. And if you think for five seconds, you'll think of somebody. The the Spirit of the Lord will put somebody on your heart. And so maybe your marching orders from this message are to take some light, take some hope, take some faith, take some courage, take some grace into somebody else's life. Because he's with you. He will be with you. The results are up to him. They're not up to you. The outcomes are up to God. They're not up to you. But the obedience 
the willingness to take the step, the willingness to enter the darkness and to come alongside somebody might just be why you're here today. And so wherever this message meets you, my hope and my prayer is that we'll respond in faith. If today is the day of salvation for you, let nothing hold you back. If today's a day of, of recommitment, of coming back into the light, may nothing hold you back. And if today's a day where you are inspired to take the light you have to someone else, may nothing hold you back. We're going to celebrate baptisms in just a moment. I said baptisms. We have one confirmed. Maybe there's another that would like to come and would like to be baptized. May nothing hold you back. Baptism is a personal profession of faith. It's an outward evidence of an inward reality. And if you have never been baptized, then may today be the day. We have clothes you can change into. We'll take care of the logistics. But if that describes you, I'm going to move over to these doors over on this side. And if you'd like to be baptized today, come and see me. But whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever God is saying to you, may you respond in faith to his word today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. We're so thankful that light came into the darkness. That you were not content to leave this world, this broken world, in darkness. That you are in the business of illuminating the darkness, of calling people out of the darkness into the light, that you are in the business of reconciling those who were in darkness into the kingdom of your glorious light. We thank you and praise you for that. We thank you and praise you for those who will take a step in faith with you today. We thank you for these altars that are open. Someone would like to come forward and bring a prayer request before you, Lord. We thank you for this time that we have to respond. Thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.